Amen, amen. Good morning. So good to see you. So good to be in the house with God's people. Whoa, this, this crowd over here is pretty heavy in this section. You guys plotting something over there? Luke, uh, the book of Luke's where we'll be this morning. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, the parable of the dishonest manager. Now, disclaimer, we are about to talk about money, okay? So before you get defensive, I just want to say this. I personally don't have time to tell you how to live your life and what to do with your money, okay? I have enough problems of my own trying to take care of my own family. And, uh, but I do hope that you will listen to the content that's presented this morning, uh, listen to the Scripture, and you just, between you, you, yourself, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son, you work that out, and let's see if God will speak to you uh, about this subject of money or resources. Uh, now, we could talk about being good stewards of time, of uh, our health, uh, stewardship is across the board, many things, but today we're specifically, um, hey Allison, glad you decided to show up. That's my beautiful wife, Allison, and she just took care of three wild hyenas. Um, she's here, and I feel better about this sermon now. I'm so glad you showed up. So, um, money, specifically, that's what we're talking about, okay? So just a few things to get our juices flowing before we get to Luke chapter 16. I want you to think about this question. Well, this is dangerous because if I tell you this question, then you're going to think about the whole sermon. So, so think about it briefly and then just kind of, but if, hey, if you, if you need to think about this question, okay. If you had a million dollars right now, what would you do with it? If somebody gave you a million dollars, what would you do with it? Tough question, Right? The Bible talks a lot about money. Over 800 times to be exact. The Old Testament is filled with wisdom about how to use God's or use money. The New Testament is filled with how to use money. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than almost everything in the Bible. <gasps> wild. I mean, he talked about money more than how to find a spouse, uh, how to pick a college major, uh, how do you know if you're supposed to buy a house or not, or, or, or how do you know if you're supposed to take a job. I mean, the Lord talks a lot more about money than He does a lot of things that you would think it would have been helpful if for God to put some more things in the book, specifically. And so it's just interesting. Here's a principle that we need to understand today. All money is God's and should therefore be used for His purposes. I mean, do we really believe that? Evangelical Christians approximately take in annually $7 trillion. Okay? $7 trillion of all the evangelical believers in the world. That's their income. Now the money given to Christian causes is $700 billion. $700 billion annually. 
for comparison, in America, that is how much we spend on Christmas every year. $45 billion is given to missions specifically to take the gospel to the unreached. The unreached are people that have never heard the gospel. $45 billion. $45 billion is how much we in America spend on dieting programs. Americans have recently spent more money buying Halloween costumes for their pets than they have to send dollars to help advance the gospel to the unreached people groups of the world. There's an estimated 0.001% of all the $42 trillion income of Christians going to take the gospel to the nations, which I would say uh, is where we should really focus on because people, there are people on this earth who have never heard the good news that Jesus saves. Hypothetical observations based on those statistics, which came from International Bulletin of Missionary Research, Volume 39, Number 1, if you want to look me up on that. Another uh, Todd Johnson Global Atlas of Christianity. The church has roughly 3,000 times the financial resources and 9,000 times the manpower needed to finish the Great Commission. Let's say that again. The church has roughly 3,000 times the financial resources and 9,000 times the manpower needed to finish the Great Commission. The global church. So, let's talk about money. By the way, um, I have a dear friend in India who's coming to our church actually during the month of March. Uh, he's a missionary from southern India and in north India. And he has no resources. He has a few. And he is a very hostile location filled with hundreds of millions of people. Literally could be the darkest place on the planet spiritually. And this brother has planted 50 plus churches. And last week, just they graduated a small seminary style institute 120 church planters. And they're launching those out into those mountains in north, northwest India. And they hardly have any resources. So, I want to say that because we get so caught up sometimes on what our money can do, and the Lord does not need our money to do anything. And that should encourage us because this morning, if you're like, I don't have any money, then hey, you're, you're in good company because... Actually, the vast majority of believers on the earth don't have a lot of money. And go all the way back to the New Testament church, and that was the case very often. And you'll see in Luke chapter 16 that if you do have a little bit, it's because God ordained it for you to be a good, pretty good steward, and He trusts you with it. That doesn't mean that if you don't have any, that you're not a good steward necessarily. But maybe. Acts chapter 16 Verse, why did I just say Acts? Luke. I was thinking Luke also wrote Acts. I don't know where that came from. Luke chapter 16. Now Jesus is sharing a parable. 
to the disciples, and there's also some Pharisees, Sadducees in the crowd. Verse 1. If you're there, say word. Alright, verse 1. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that his, this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master has taken the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors, Debtors, one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. And we'll pause right there, and then we'll come back and read the verses 10 through 13 shortly. A term we need to define, steward. You'll notice steward in the Bible. Who are the main characters? You tell me. Who are the main two characters in this story? The master and the steward, okay? Exactly. Great job. A steward is a person who manages the resources of others. Got it? Steward is someone that manages the resources of others. The steward in ancient culture... uh, they would take care of things on behalf of the owner. They were hired to take care of the farm, to take care of the acreage, to make sure that the the hay was cut and that the cows were in the barn. They were responsible for uh, taking care of all of the business dealings, all of the contracted workers uh, that the, the owner, the business owner had, the steward could will and deal on behalf of the owner. The master gave the steward authority over the master's resources and and the steward could conduct business in his name. This required total trust in the steward. This morning, you and me, we are that steward. The Lord is who? The master. The Lord's the business owner. You see, He owns everything. He owns it all. Even the heart beating inside of your body right now. He owns that. He owns America. He owns China. 
I guess that means he also owns the debt that America owes to China. When the trust is broken, on behalf of the master into the steward, then it's time for the master to find a new steward, a new manager of his resources. And so this steward, how does he fare? He gets let go. Now if you notice, why was he let go? It says that he was wasting his possessions. It doesn't necessarily say that the steward committed fraud. It doesn't say that he was cheating anyone. It just simply says that he was wasting his possessions. He was not intentional enough with his master's resources. He was probably, when he went on business ventures, he probably picked out the nicest hotel without talking to the manager about it. I mean, the, the, the master. Look what he does. He comes up with a plan. Okay, he's let go, but he's still got some time left. He, uh, he was given his two weeks notice, I guess. And so he's got some time there. And look how he uses it. Actually, pretty smart. He starts thinking about, where am I going to sleep? Where am I going to... Place my head. See, he probably had a nice place to stay at the owner's house. He probably had the steward suite on the property. But now, without the job, he would also lose a place to live. He says, I'm not really good with the shovel. So that's not a good option. And I'm not... uh, What else does he say? I'm not really good... I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to stand on the street. I'm not going to call my grandma, I'm not going to ask my friends for any money because why? He was too proud, too proud to do that. And so the, the manager is shrewd and he makes some deals behind the owner's back. Look what he does. He calls up the person that owes a hundred measures of oil. Verse 6, he says to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Okay, the term here for measure is a batos. It's a Hebrew liquid measurement. It's between eight and nine gallons of oil. And this oil is probably olive oil. Total of oil that this person owed, the business owner, was 800 to 900 gallons of oil. And so the shrewd manager, he says, hey, you owe 100 measures, but I'm going to give you a 50% discount. I mean, it's like Black Friday sale. 50% off. It's a pretty good deal. Oh, well, you shrewd manager, you're such a, just a nice guy. And, hey, man, I got you back. I'll take care of you when you get in a bad spot. Then he says, he calls up someone else. He says, hey, you owe, let's see, verse, the end of verse 6, well, actually verse 7. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. A hundred measures of wheat. It's a koros, the, the word, Greek word here. It's a Hebrew dry measurement. And so one of these koros would equal about 11 bushels of wheat. So approximately over 1,000 bushels of wheat this person owes the business owner. That's a lot. And so he says, hey, you owe 100 of these kuros, kuros. But guess what? 
let's just make a deal and you can just pay us now. If you pay us now, it's kind of like the hospital. If you pay it all up front, we'll give you a little discount. And so that's what happened. 80%, uh, 20% off this time, you'll notice that he gives him a pretty good deal. Wheat was a lot more valuable than the oil, as you can tell from his interactions. And so look at verse 8. The story takes a twist. It really blows our mind. What happens? Look at verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. What? You see how the Lord, He's a master storyteller, and He just, you don't see it coming. You don't see that Jesus telling this story, and he, you expect Him just to condemn this um, dishonest manager, which He does, but He applauds Him. He commends Him for His shrewdness. It's important for us, if we properly want to understand this, that He commends Him for His quick thinking, for His savvy dealings, The unjust steward saw his master's resources as a means for his own personal enjoyment before, and now he's seeing opportunity to take care of himself. So here's the principle. You can write down. God owns everything. Everything that we own is a gift to us by God, and we are stewards of the gifts. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. This would be a difficult passage. Jesus is not endorsing the dishonesty, but He is endorsing the savviness the quick thinking on his feet, and how to steward these resources in this moment. You see, Jesus saw the Pharisees. He saw the, the disciples, the people following him around that he was talking to, and he knew that many of them were not being good stewards. And what he's saying is that, hey, there are people out in the world that are being better stewards of resources. I think that's true today. There's many companies out in the world that are being better stewards of God's resources uh, than the church is in many ways. There's many non-believers today being better stewards of their resources than many Christians. And that is what, if you read this story, that's what breaks God's heart. Because if anybody understands that it's just all borrowed, it should be the believer. Now, Jesus gives us more application uh, verses 9 through 10. So we just read verse 9, verse 10. One who is faithful in, every, in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. That's a verse that we can take home with us today. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? 
And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, is there anything wrong with having money? Absolutely not. If you take the whole of Scripture, you see that Abraham was filthy rich. You see that God made him rich. Why? To be a blessing. To be a blessing. You see that God put Joseph in a specific location. Uh, he was in prison for 10 years, which had to stink. That was a bad deal for, for really his entire 20s. Poor guy. But why? Because God had a plan for his life. God was going to raise him up to put him in a powerful position where he was a steward over many resources, and so really he could save his people. And along with that, save a lot of Egyptians as well, and many other people that would all come to Egypt for resources. So this morning, there's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong uh, with having nice things. The problem that the Lord has is when we begin to devote ourselves to those things more than Him. And he has a serious problem with that. Because see, those things are dangerous. Those things begin to own your heart and your affections and your thoughts. And when that happens, you broke off fellowship with the Lord. He warns the rich time and time again in the New Testament. Jesus did. Because he understands. He knows how he designed us. He knows how he created us. He knows that our flesh, many of us, Cannot handle it. And so he warns us time and time again. Another example of, you know, just crazy that goes against everything we've ever heard about the Lord is that he had a seamless robe. Jesus had a seamless robe. I mean, in that day, that would have been uh, nicer. I don't know, ladies, what's a name brand? I have no idea. Uh, I know that polo shirts are extremely overpriced for men. Uh, but it would be way nicer than that. It would be uh, top of the line. Jesus wore a seamless robe. That's why the soldiers, remember, they were uh, casting lots for that robe. Why? Because it was worth something. It was nice. It was swank. I mean, it was, it was snazzy. So the question is this morning, are we being good stewards with what God has entrusted to us? If we are faithful in a little, then we'll be faithful in much. And what the Lord is saying, another truth, another application, is that if we cannot be faithful with earthly wealth, which is not even ours to begin with, how in the world will the Lord entrust us with heavenly things? Like evangelism and discipleship, which are a lot more important than earthly Material possessions. So the climax in this whole passage is verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
So we must use our money for God's kingdom while we still have time. Our loyalty this morning cannot be divided in half. Halfway committed to money. Halfway committed to the Lord. Because half-hearted believers are not very useful to God Almighty. So, middle school student, how you doing on tithing? Where's our middle schoolers? Where's our little ones? High schoolers, how you doing on tithing 10% of that paycheck or that allowance? I never got an allowance, but if you're so fortunate to get an allowance, uh, then are you tithing on that money? The Lord expects you to. College student, in America, most often in Southern Baptist churches, many of our older generations or more seasoned generations faithfully tithe at least 10%. And thankfully, at this church, we have some young people that also tithe 10%. We have a pretty good uh, stewardship. But we probably should talk more about this thing. So, let's talk about tithing specifically. Because you may have thought, like I've thought growing up, what's a tithe? I mean, my mom and dad would say some things, but I wanted to know some more. Tele-evangelists, past 30 years, have given tithing a bad name. Why? Send your money in to this P.O. box, and God will bless you. Send your money to such and such, and God will pour out from heaven on your life. Benny Hinn, Benny Hinn, who may love the Lord, may not, I don't know. Only God knows people's hearts, amen? So he one time was doing a conference and he said, if you'll reach out your hand to the television set, uh, then God will... And if you, you know, have a, I think you had like a, a coffin and, you know, if you give money and if you put your hand out television set, God will give you money and God will raise this, your uh, family member that's passed away. Just baloney heresy that's not in the Bible. But there's many uh, prosperity teachers today that we need to be concerned about. They may sound great. They may, uh, by the way, if you spend all day long uh, trying to learn how to speak and communicate and how to uh, sharpen your message, and you just, that's all you do is on the weekends, you, you have six days to prepare, and then Saturdays you give a conference talk, you're, you're going to sound pre- pretty good, no matter who you are, right? I mean, if that's all you have to do for your day job, think about it. You can sharpen your skills and learn how to communicate. And so is it about sounding great, or is it about what the Lord has to say to His people? Health and wealth preachers today. Example, Creflo Dollar asked his congregation, hey, we need you to pray about donating money so that we can buy a jet to travel on his speak. He didn't tell them that it was the nicest jet on the planet. And so people, we, we are frustrated with people, with people in ministry. The Word of Faith movement, led by T.D. Jakes and Joyce Meyer, that if you have enough faith and if you think about certain things, that it will happen. Friend, that does not apply to the, the child in Africa sitting on the ground thinking for more food. 
It doesn't work like that. If it doesn't work in Africa, it does not work in America. But many of these teachers have shared just enough Scripture, just enough truth to where we're convinced that they're sent from God. And if God has used those people to impact your life, then be encouraged because it was the Lord doing it through them. That doesn't mean what God did in your life through some of these teachers is not real. Okay? Very possible that God used... In the Old Testament, uh, the Lord spoke through a jackass and God used him, used the donkey. And so if the Lord can speak through a donkey, He can speak through anybody. Amen? I mean, that's my hope this morning. But tithing, let's talk about tithing. The word tithe, it means a tenth. A tenth. Abraham gave a tenth in Genesis 14. Jacob gave a tenth in Genesis 28. Leviticus 27 says that every tithe, herds, and flocks, every tenth animal that passes under herdman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. So the tithe in the Old Testament, it precluded social class, it precluded um, economic class, and it precluded politics. And it was even across the board. That means that if you only earn 10 cents during the week, okay, 10 cents, then you, God expected you to give at least one-tenth of that all through the Old Testament. If you made $100, He expected you to give $10. If you made $100,000, He expected you to give $10,000. So the primary function of the Old Testament was to support those who served in the worship of God, which at that time it would have been the Levites, who were then to pass on a tithe of tithes to the priest. You see, when the land was divided up, the Levites were left out. They didn't get a piece of the land. Because see, God didn't want them to be farmers. God didn't want them to be um, raising cattle. He wanted them to be at the house of God, overseeing the worship of God's people. So the Levites were set apart for spiritual and educational needs of the nation. In the New Testament, the tithe goes to support the proclamation of the gospel to the nations. So, God expects through Old Testament covenant, 10%. That principle still applies today. Now, you'll hear many different pastors share that 10% is just understood, and then after that, that's your offering. Okay? Many people think that. Many people probably in this room think and believe that, and that's okay. But I believe you, 10% is a minimum. You have to. God expects that. And we, when we do not, and by the way, that should come before everything else. That should be the first thing that comes out, out of your check. That should be the first thing that comes out of uh, your pay, you know, whatever resources you come into. The first thing. Well, I, man, I've got bills. Okay, well tonight, come tonight, we're going to talk about financial freedom. And it should be helpful to all of us. Six o'clock tonight, financial freedom. We're going to talk about some specifics. Uh, maybe we will even have some open session where some of you can share what God's taught you on how to manage your resources. 
but just some tips, some ideas. Maybe you know a secret coupon book that we don't know about that you might need to share with your fellow church members. So tonight, come back at 6 o'clock. We're going to have a lot of fun, a lot of share time with one another. It's going to be wild. It's going to be great. Well, the trouble that God had with His people happened in Malachi chapter 3. If you want to turn there, it's Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. Listen to this. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Many of God's people, they were not paying that tenth. So listen to what God says. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you can say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test as the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Wow. Notice it says that we're robbing God when we do not tithe. We do not rob the church. We do not rob uh, Christian education. We do not rob missions. We rob the Lord Himself. Think about that. We rob the Lord. Wow. Let that sink in. And because of their actions, they were cursed. God removed His blessing. But He said if they would change their ways, He would open the windows of heaven and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. Until there is no more need in the land. When we do not tithe, we reduce the ministry of Christ. And we don't have time for it, but I was ready to list out every single ministry that our church has, every single ministry that our Gulf Coast Baptist Association has. I was going to share about the cooperative program and how we have 47,242 Southern Baptist churches all over the world that give together. I was going to talk about how the North American Mission Board, which is part of that, has planted 5,262 churches. Uh, I was going to talk about the deaf ministry and the blind ministry to America and to the nations. I was going to talk about disaster relief, which is Southern Baptist Relief. Disaster relief is the third largest manpower uh, in terms of size and resources in the U.S. I was going to talk about hunger, medical, education assistance for the poor that Southern Baptist uh, cooperative program provides refugee and international ministries. People are sharing the gospel specifically to people groups that are here in our nation that are getting ready to go back home whenever the war stops or whatever. And when they go back, many will hear the gospel and take the gospel with them. I was going to share about uh, 2000, over 2,000 young people were trained in theological ministry in our Baptist seminaries. I was going to talk about how we have attorneys in Washington. Uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, working with politicians to end abortion and fight for social justice and fight for against sex trafficking. And I was going to talk about a lot of those things, and I don't have time, and I'm frustrated by that, but I get that's my fault. Did I say 2,000? I meant 21,000 young people are trained in Baptist seminaries last year. I was going to talk about the IMB missionaries we have on the field, some in the most dangerous closed countries in the world. I was going to talk about the special, mission, uh, special rescue force, the secret security team that whenever one of our missionaries gets in trouble, they go in, black ops style, and they get them, and they bring them home. 
and they're bad to the bone, and they work under the radar of even our government. Oh, I love that. That's, that's cool. See, when you tithe that 10%, a portion of that goes to proclaim the gospel in places you never even thought about. Last year, Southern Baptist Churches took up $153 million for Lottie Moon Christmas offering to go to specifically 100% of that went to pay for ministry expenses of our missionaries overseas. So much I wanted to share, but I don't have time. So as we close, as these guys get ready to come, we have an invitation. I'll leave you with one last verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and money. Do you own it, or does it own you? Is your life all about getting more and having more? Or is your life about following the Lord daily? and being a good steward of what He entrusts you with. That passage in Malachi just rocked me when it says, the Lord said to His people, you're robbing me. That's a scary thing. And it it should make us all tremble. We're robbing the Lord. So as we go into a time of response, maybe today, Maybe you realize that you have been the good steward. Praise God. Praise God for that. Maybe this morning you realize, you know, I need to really think about this thing. I really need to to sit down and take the time to go over my budget, go over my expenses. Maybe I need to come up with a plan of how to attack my debt in my life. God blesses those who ask for His wisdom. He blesses those who are good stewards. Why? Because He trusts them. Because He trusts them to be a blessing to those who need a blessing. Let's pray.